Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I'll offer my picks and previews for each and every day's matches at the 2023 Wimbledon. Day five of the year's third major is now upon us. Dare I say, it's the first day with a manageable schedule of matches. We're under 20 total in both the men's and women's singles draws. Hopefully, for the first time in this event, we'll be able to finish everything on the schedule and, of course, on today's show. What I want to do for all of you tennis fans is set the scene for day number five. What are the must-see matches in the singles draws that, simply put, if you've got work, that's when you call in and take that extended lunch break. If you've got summer school, you're teaching classes on a tennis court, you're hitting yourselves. This is the moment where, hey, build in two, three-hour block of time where you can just kick your feet up, enjoy the year's third major. It's Wimbledon. You know the action's going to be good. And again, I want to make your life a little bit easier as a fan, talk you through the matches you must see on Friday. I've got five in the women's singles draw to clear the schedule for four on the men's side, a couple of honorable mentions as well. I also, of course, have two. Ace of the Day selections for all of you listeners who are interested in that sort of thing. What I plan on doing again on this show each and every day here throughout the course of Wimbledon is prepare all of you listeners for these jam-packed days of action. Of course, if you're looking for recaps of what's already happened at the year's third major, we've got you covered at Crack Rackets here as well. All you got to do is head on over to our mini break podcast feed. Not only will you see recaps of each and every day of Wimbledon, you'll see our recaps of the Bloomfield Hills Challenger as well. We are on the grounds here at this inaugural ATP Challenger event. It has been an absolute delight to see pro tennis back in my home community. And of course, we've been so fortunate to speak with so many of the competitors in the draw this week, whether it be a guy like Dennis Kudla, who maybe earned the biggest win of his career, certainly not by stage, but to knock out Kei Nishikori the way he did on Thursday. Got the chance to chat with him about where he's at right now with his game. So if that's something that intrigues you, that's available on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, as well as the Crack Interviews podcast feed. And by the way, it's not just Kudla. Tennis Sandgren, Stevie Johnson, Lexi Galarno, Makun Sasakumar, Tristan Schoolkate. You name it, if they're competing at the Bloomfield Hills Challenger, we have tried our best to speak with them. So again, if you're looking for additional tennis coverage, mini break podcast feed, Cracked Interviews podcast feed, Cracked Rackets YouTube channel, all of that content also housed on our website, CrackRackets.com. But of course, here on this Great Shot podcast feed, it's my job to prepare all of you for the next 24 hours of Wimbledon, a wave of second, and dare I say, we're going to finally sprinkle in some third round singles matches as well. I want to talk you again through the most notable matchups, offer my previews, offer my picks, prepare all of you for Friday's action on the ground. So with 
That said, let's get to it. Here's a look at day five at Wimbledon. Let's start with the women's singles matches that are must-see TV. Again, I've got five of them on my list. I believe we have 18 new matches coming into the fold here on day number five in the women's singles draw. Most notably for me, it's not a seed-on-seed matchup, and I believe we have three of those on the day in Kasatkina, Azarenka, Garcia, Boshkova, Benchich, Lynette. We'll get to those matches in a moment. The number one match for me, must-see TV on day number five of Wimbledon in the women's singles draw. It's got to be Marta Kostyuk versus Paula Bedosa, and let me make the case why I feel that way. Let's start with the Kostyuk side of the equation. She earned the most significant upset of round number one from six-love first-set deficit, three-set victory over eighth-seeded Maria Sakkari. Of course, you look for Marta Kostyuk, who earlier this season captured the first WTA title of her career in Austin. She's a player who, at 21 years old, has already made a second week at, at a slam. Now, it was only once, and it was the 2021 Roland Garros, but look, this is a player who was a top 10, top 5 junior in the world. This is someone who, since she was 16, 17, 18 years old, She's been on the WTA radar because she has had that sort of success uh, at various stages throughout the course of her career. Now, again, you look for her this season outside of that five-match run at Austin. What was her most notable successes? Third-round Australian Open. She beats Anisimova round number one. She also, what, I guess reached a second round at Miami, second round in Rome, but she lost first round. Tough draw, Sabalenka at Roland Garros. You know, again, outside of the run in Austin, that Sakri victory for Kostyuk was really her first signature. Let me say that again. Her first signature victory of the season. And now you got a little mojo working, right, if you're Marta Kostyuk, who, by the way, for the majority of this 2023 season has been a fringe player, top 25 in both hold and break percentage, one of 10, 11 WTA players you can say that about right now on tour. I do think we're still at a point in the twenty-one Kostyuk's, uh, in the point in the twenty-one-year-old Kostyuk's game. Excuse me, where I see Plan B, I see Plan C, I see Plan D, I see Plan E. I see a whole toolbox of things for Marta Kostyuk to deploy on the court. I've always said it's very Andrescu-esque. They have that elite first step, that twitchiness, that power as well. It's not Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club power, but no one would accuse an Andrescu or a Marta Kostyuk of lacking weapons. And again, the consistency, it's improved for Kostyuk this season. Career high, 70.1 hold percentage. Career high, uh, well, career high given the sample size of matches she has played, 35.7% break percentage. The pieces are starting to come together. You still don't know exactly what a service game for Marta Kostyuk is going to constitute because for every plus one winner she rips, she'll fail to capitalize on a short ball and lean into her athleticism and lean into her improvisational skills and maybe play a little bit more defensively than her game, than someone with her game style and her weapons probably should. But again, Marta Kostyuk, someone who can do a little bit of everything, explosive on the return, comfortable hitting the swinging volley out of the air, comfortable moving forward and Again, in the binary system, she is a one in the sense of she knows what to do, where to go, win at the net. But tell me that's not a similar profile 
to 25-year-old Paula Badosa, her opponent tomorrow. And of course, you look for Badosa, 18-8 and overall on the season, 15-11 and in her career on grass court. She did win a reach a Wimbledon fourth round, excuse me, back in 2021. I think I talked about this earlier. Listen to Badosa's last six losses. Rabakana Indian Wells, Rabakana three sets Miami, three and six Pagula Charleston, three sets Sabalenka Stuttgart, four and four Sakari Madrid, three sets Ostapenko Rome. I know she's been injured since Rome, but that's a damn good stretch. That is the Paula Badosa, maybe who didn't win Indian Wells and reach number two in the world because instead of losing those six matches, she maybe goes three and three in them back in 2021-2022 at the start. But that's a top 15 player. That's a top 20 player considering, you know, again, during that stretch, that's who she's losing to. But during that stretch, she's also beating Goff. She's beating Jabir. She got a win over Kostyuk in Rome for what it's worth. And, you know, wins over players like Leila Fernandez, Dai Schneid, Diana Schneider, Daria Kasatkina in straight sets. These are wins we would expect of an informed Paula Badosa. She has also been a player, not just top 25 clubs. She's worked her way into the top 20 club, top 20 in both hold and break percentage. And while the break percentage is lagging behind a bit, 37.9%, still very good, but, you know, Bedosa was at 443 and 38% back in that 2020-2021 stretch. She's moving well. She has weapons. Again, forehand, backhand. She's comfortable grinding from the baseline. Not that you do much of that at Wimbledon, but she can inject a level of physicality into any match regardless of surface. I do think she's serving well enough to push Kostyuk off the baseline. It's not just going to be easy pickings for Marta Kostyuk. This isn't a Madison Brangle match. (sighs) I think Kostyuk has a higher upside than Bedosa. And I know that's crazy to say, given Paula Bedosa has won in Indian Wells, has reached number two in the world, has done all these amazing things. I think Paula Bedosa is an excellent player. Forehand to forehand, again, Bedosa's a little bit better at trapping that ball. I think Kostyuk hits a little heavier ball, but the heaviness of that ball, less effective on this surface versus Bedosa, who is much flat, you know, it's much more flat line drive off of her ground strokes. Backhand to backhand, Paula Bedosa's backhand's as good as it gets, but as is Kostyuk's on the right day, so I, I think you're even there. Again, match callousness. I know this is her first back of uh, her first event back since Rome, and yes, there's been a lot of social media clips of her hanging out with Stefano Tsitsipas. But I promise you, Paula Bedosa is putting in the work. And if you watched her three and three first round win over Ali Risk, she didn't look great, but she looked she didn't look in rhythm from a ground stroke perspective, but she looked awfully comfortable physically. I'm taking Kostyuk to ride the rate. See, as it comes out of my mouth, I'd be more comfortable being wrong. Well, I just want to be wrong about Marta Kostyuk, that she's not ready yet. I guess that's a hill I'm prepared to die on. I think this match goes three sets more than anything else. I do think... No, I trust Paula Bedosa to execute her plus one better. I just, I know when Paula Bedosa sees the forehand short ball, she's going to take it early. She's going to trap it. She's going to go in a direction Marta Kostyuk doesn't. Or she'll just be unpredictable enough to prevent the Kostyuk rhythm. Kostyuk prevents rhythm, but sometimes that's just because the ball's all over the place off her racket. I trust the steadiness of Bedosa right now just a hair more than Marta Kostyuk, but 
that match has three sets written all over it to uh, to me. And, you know, again, looking at their section of the draw, where do Bedosa, where do Kostyuk stand? It's crazy to say they're both unseated in this event. But right now you look for Kostyuk, for Bedosa. Winner would face the winner of Golubic Keys in round number three. Then likely a Potapova. Well, then the winner of Potapova and Driva in round number four. And God, is that a great match in Potapova and Driva? Sign me up for best of five in that. It's a wide-open section. I know Madison Keys won last week on grass courts, but this is a wide-open section. I'm excited for it. Bedosa in three, but I don't feel good about the prediction. Let's move on to our next must-see women's match. And again, I want to break down the must-sees. We'll get to the aces of the day, my formal picks at the end. I'm trying to make this ace of the day segment more preview-centric to prepare all of you. But again, my second favorite match on the day... I'm going Vekic versus Vondrosova. Vekic, the 20-seed Vondrosova, unseeded, excuse me, but I think both of those numbers sell those players short. And let's look now at why, you know, again, let me explain why I feel that's the case. Let's start with Donna Vekic. You can make a, I think, I was going to say significant case. That's not the right word. The word is legitimate. You can make a legitimate case that Donna Vekic has unequivocally been one of the 15 best players in the world over the course of the past year. 45-30 and 30 overall during that stretch of time. That, of course, includes a title of uh, 45-30, and 30, excuse me, during that stretch of time. That is not the number I was looking for. It's 38-19 and 19 during that stretch of time. The 45-30, and 30, her career record on grass courts, which we'll get to in a moment, but 38-19. Overall, over her last 52 weeks, obviously that included a run through that loaded draw in San Diego where she reached the final before losing in 3-2 Sviantec. She won a title earlier this season in Monterey and then, of course, reached the Berlin final, beating Rabakina in three, beating Sakari in straights before a tight 2-6 and six loss to Petra Kvitova. Straight set win over Jung Shui in round number one. Three set win over Sloan Stevens. She was down a set in 5-2 in that match before coming back. It's the pace. It's the power she plays with. Donna Vekic is an elite server. Top 20 right now in the WTA Tour. 73.6% hold percentage. Again, how flat those ground strokes explode off of her rackets. Clear uh, Off of her racket, excuse me. Can rip ground strokes through these grass courts and Again, now we get back to it, that 45-30 and 30 record on grass courts. This is a player who has reached a round of 16 at Wimbledon in her career. Now, came all the way back in 2018, but she's played 75 matches on grass courts. I'm going to venture to say that's in the top 10% amongst players still alive in the draw, that 75 number on grass courts. And please feel free to fact check me. I would love to know how many players in the draw currently have played 75-plus grass court matches, but... She steadied the ship. She's back where she belongs, Donna Vekic, 27 years old. By the way, has the exact same birthday as Marta Kostyuk. Shout out Tennis Abstract. Shout out to the June 28th crew. Um, now you know. That's the day to be born. If you want to be good in on the WTA Tour, try to rig it for your future daughter. Numbers speak for itself. Two-thirds rule. She's winning two-thirds of her matches. Continuing to progress up the rankings. Now, we haven't seen the big slam breakthrough during this stretch of time. Maybe this is the surface where it all comes together for Donna Vekic. But speaking of all come together, I've made this case repeatedly. Marketa Vondrosova is just back. The lefty 34-12 and over her last 52 weeks. And, you know, again, 
wins over Stearns, Cooter Matova in straight sets today. I know the lefty made a French Open final, but is she the... No, because she doesn't have the serve forehand, but the slice... The, I was going to say, is she the heir apparent in terms of finding every spot on the court in the way that Ashley Barty did on this surface in 2021? Now, again, it's not with the same pace, but the creativity, the slices, the angles, the physicality, she brings the... Again, the leftiness she brings, she just gets you stretched in ways you're not comfortable with on this surface. And she can absorb your first strike. She did it against Stern. She did it against Kudermatova. I just think Marketa Von Drosova's back. And so, again, this is my upset of the day. I think the Druce moves through. Obviously, Vekic setting 5-2 down today. She's got to play back-to-back days. Von Drosova threw a little bit more fluidly, 3-3 three and three over Kudermatova. I think Kudermatova and Vekic attack on this court in similar fashions. I think Vekic is a little bit better on the return of serve. I think Kudermatova has a little bit more pop, a little bit more pace that she's able to generate with her serve plus one. But I think Vondrosova is well-equipped to handle both. I just love her variety in this matchup. And again, coming off of the three-setter for Vekic, who I just think Vondrosova is perfectly put to disrupt the rhythm of Vekic by getting her stretched into the outer third, by mixing in the the wave of drop shots throughout the course of the match and following it up with the drop shot lob combination, which she hits better than maybe anyone in the world right now, men's or women's side. I've always been all in on the Druce, and I'm staying all in on the Druce. The lefty is just, it, it, her and Kennan have a special place in my heart because they're the outliers. They're the ones who bring that, inject that wave of creativity that just make points look different on each in each and every rally, right? I love the ball bashing of Arena Sabalenka. Shout out to Archit Suresh, our Crack Rackets intern, who pointed this out on Twitter. Not that it needed to be pointed out. Listeners know, Sabalenka, Rabakina, Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. I made a country club for the ball bashers. We haven't made a country club for the creative types. I like to think I'm a creative type, not on court, but in life. And thus, I see the the different threads being pulled upon for Von Throseva. She just death by a thousand paper cuts you. I think she pulls that off tomorrow. Give me five and two. Five and two over Donna Vekic tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I think it's a definitive victory for Marketa Von Throseva. And you know, again, looking for her in the draw after that right now. Vondrosova, Vekic, they are currently sitting. Winner of that match will face the winner of Garcia Boshkova. That is, Marketa Vondrosova can make the quarterfinal. All four of those players walk into this round thinking, even Boshkova, who reached the quarterfinals last year, thus she can't afford to think, hey, I'm I, I'm going. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm going to the uh I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to reach the quarterfinals here. The draw has opened. So I'll take Von Throseva in straights. I think this is the break. I don't know why that straights came out of me in that accent, but I'll take Von Throseva to advance. I think that match is going to be really fun. That's a great contrast of styles. That said, those are going to be my two deep dives on the women's side. Other matches I have my eye on, I think figuratively, pejoratively, dare I say, although I'm not sure I'm using that word correctly here, Having both Kasakina and Victoria Azarenka just kind of had like, meh, 
seasons. Like, you look for Kasakina, yeah, she just made the final in Eastbourne. She beat Pliskova, Garcia, Georgie, Kalanina. And she has killed it in the press conferences all year long. But outside of last week in Eastbourne, fourth round Roland Garros wins over the Drews, Niemeyer, Stearns, not too shabby. Round of 16 Rome, round of 16 Madrid, semifinals Charleston, struggled through the Middle East, Indian Wells, Miami stretch, first round loss Australia. But I guess it was just a slow start. And so Kasakina has finally started to have things heat up for her. On the other side, I just feel like Azarenka can never really get things going. You know, again, quarterfinal week number one, semifinals of Australia, you know, has had a stretch coming into this Wimbledon where she lost four of five matches and six of eight matches overall. A couple of them, you know, again, she's had a withdraw due to injury. It just feels like whenever there's momentum for Azarenka, then there's this just puzzling loss that occurs. And look, from a matchup perspective, this match is on Azarenka's racket. Kasakina, yes, she gets creative. She moves you to the outer thirds. Very much righty Vondrosova-ish. She belongs in that Kennan conversation as well. But man, Azarenka's got the pace advantage. Azarenka's serve plus one forehand are the two biggest weapons on the court, and they're the two she controls most easily. And Azarenka should win this match. I mean, now, Kasakina hasn't, you know, has played really good ball thus far. Azarenka shaky in round one, one straight sets over Podoroska in round number two. It's tough. It, it's a tough prediction. Uh, this is why, again, I think it's kind of a pick em. I think I'm leaning, uh, I don't know, Westhoff, Azarenka or Kazakina. Which way are you leaning? I don't know which to go. Okay, that's a good answer. I'm not going to give his explanation, but he's going Vika. I'm going Vika as well. I can give his explanation. He just said, look, I've seen Vika. He literally goes, I don't really know Kazakina. I know Azarenka, so... That's not a slight on him. Ask Daniel Westhoff about any college women's tennis coach, and he will have your answer, which, by the way, is a neat bar trick, at least here at Cracked Rackets. I don't know. I'll go I'll go in Azarenka. We, never, we have a rule here at Cracked Rackets. Never pick against Daniel Westhoff. I'll take Victoria Azarenka to advance in straight sets. But, yeah, again, I just... I think it's going to be a good day of play. And then Garcia Boshkova, unstoppable force, meets the immovable object. Boshkova's going to take that pace, say thank you very much. Garcia's going to say fine, but I'm still going to keep swinging. I'll take Garcia in, in straights in that one. Kenan Svitolina, I mean, mm, juicy. That is creative, physical, and you can throw out the track record because Kenan's a new player. Coming into this Wimbledon, you can just see the swagger is a little bit back after that golf victory. Svitolina's had the swagger back since the French Open, and to have the run that she's had, remarkable. <sighs> hmm. 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 I'm going to go. Ooh. This is a tough one. I'm going Kenan. Sorry for the pauses in this podcast, folks. I've been in the sun all day. I think it's just starting to wear on me. But anyways, I'll take Kenan to keep riding the train because ask Jonathan Kelly. Shout out at Joe Kelly underscore tennis. The real ones they know. Um, on the, one of the very first, this was back in 2018 when our, we did our very first American State of the Union podcast 
which is sadly, you know, again, it's a tradition that was Joe Kelly and now do it every year with Ben Rothenberg, which is always a delight for me, by the way. Uh, one of my favorite pods we do. Um, and shout out to Ben, who recently tweeted that his Naomi Osaka book, now available for pre-order. I promise you this. I, you know, Ben, I know for some reason, Ben has become a polarizing fitter, uh, polarizing personality on Twitter. Knowing Ben the way I do, this book is going to be spectacular. I know the depths he went to to get the reporting right to tell this story. Go buy Ben's book. You're supporting a fantastic human being. A human being without whom, by the way, Cracked Rackets would not be where it is today because I need Ben in my life, the support he's given me throughout this journey. Go support him. Buy the book. Tell him I plugged it. Otherwise, he won't believe me. Uh, Kennan over Svitolina, my other two matches. I'll take Benchich over Lynette, but who knows? And then, again, there are two sorts of people in this world. You know, people who know to stay away from a Bianca Andrescu match for anything other than viewing purposes and fools because the Andrescu experience is one you enjoy as a viewer and never have stakes on the line because you just never know where it's going to go. She faces the always tricky Angelina Kalanina. Those are my seven must-see matches, or five must-see, and then the honorable mentions, Benchich, Lynette, Kalanina, and the rescue. Those are my thoughts on day five on the women's side. Let's move over, though, now to day five on the men's side, and I suppose I'll go through these matches quicker. Kostyuk Pedosa, to me, is the most fascinating one, which I think has long-term consequence—not consequences, but potential is the better word, maybe, moving forward for the WTA Tour, how things shake out. On the men's side— only one 30,000-foot view match where I'm, oh, one and a half. The one is Musetti Hercoth, the 14th-seeded Lorenzo Musetti, who I have continued to make the case for as maybe the most underrated player in men's tennis right now. I mean, for God's sake, the kid is 21 years old, 45 and 29 over his last 52 weeks. Obviously has the title coming off of his resume in Hamburg coming up, but, you know, since then, what has he done? Well, it hasn't always had to be clay court success. He went on the hard courts last fall, third round U.S. Open, semifinals Sofia, semifinals Florence, title in Naples, quarterfinals Paris Masters. Obviously followed that up this year with uh, the clay court success he had, quarterfinals Monte Carlo Masters, semifinals Barcelona, round of 16 Roland Garros. The big component he's added this season, how about grass court success? Quarterfinals Stuttgart, three-set loss to Tiafo. Quarterfinals, Queens Club, straight set loss to Holger Runa. Six sets up, six sets down, both over clay quarters in Munar, Juan Pablo Varias here at Wimbledon. Lorenzo Busetti ain't going anywhere. This kid is an elite athlete, and I know this is a nerd out sort of thing, but his ability to play physical tennis and keep the ball in front of him so he's not forced to change direction, so that... He makes it look about as fluid as grass court tennis can look. I think he's done a really good—first of all, his backhand slice, his chip return on this surface, exceptional. I, I, again, it's it's Nova, it's Djokovician, not to the same extent, but it's in the Djokovician extended family with how well he passes on this surface. Dare I say the Djokovician-Murray family. Um, kid's the real deal. I don't know how else to say it. And look, he's facing a guy who, from a matchup perspective, should beat him tomorrow in Hubi Hercots. Hercots, of course, uh, straight set wins thus far over Elbert Ramos Vinolas, Jan Chowinski. I mean, you look for Hubi Hercots, top 10 server on the ATP Tour. He's holding 86.5% of the time this season. He's made a semifinal. He's beaten Roger Federer at Wimbledon. He's done all these amazing things. And yet, you know, again, what's the inspiring result? for the 24-14 and 14 Hoopy this season. You want a title in Marseille? Okay. 
he should win a 250 title each and every year. He's a top 20 player, but outside of that, semifinals Stuttgart, no. Third round Roland Garros, no. Round of 16 Monte Carlo, no. Round of 16 Australian Open, where he lost in, what, five sets to Seppi Corda. That's probably his signature result of the season thus far. This would be his signature victory of the year. This would be the one that says Hubi is back. Not in the top 10 mix, but he's back in that conversation of, all right, if I'm playing Hubi Hercot, it's just that respect here of no one is going to run through Hubi Hercot's. He gets a win like the, uh, over Musetti tomorrow. I think he has to be back in that level of conversation, even if you know the 99% of opponents are going to play with pace through his forehand, particularly serving to that forehand to try to beat him. <sighs> it's a good question. It's again, again, this match has five sets written all over it. I'm going with the server given the surface. I think Lorenzo Musetti's going to have a really good hardcourt summer. I'm sticking with Hubi. I think this is where he gets that first signature result and just reminds everyone, hey, on this surface, I serve in volley. I'm six foot six. I have this elite first serve and attacking game style as well as this elite six six fluidity as an athlete. I'm riding the Hercots Express. Give me Hoopy to get a, his first signature victory of the season. I'm going to say five, though, because I respect Musetti too much. Similarly, fun contrast of styles, Demonauer, Berrettini. If Berrettini was healthy, this match would be way cooler. He's not, so it's not. I think Demon wins in four, but hey, Berrettini's made a final at Wimbledon. If you don't respect his grass court game, you have not been paying attention the past few seasons. The question is health. It's not form. Because if he's healthy, we know what he's capable of and the form he's capable of reaching on this surface. How about Nori Eubanks? Here's why this one's interesting. Again, it's a similar, what have you done for me lately? Cam Nori's been a revelation in this COVID era of the ATP Tour. And he's still 49-22 and 22 over his last 52 weeks. Top 15 total wins on the ATP Tour. But where's the inspiring result that's happened of late? Yeah, he won that title in Rio. He beat Alcaraz. That was months ago. Quarterfinals Indian Wells. That's a good result. First round loss Miami. First round loss Monte Carlo. Second round loss Madrid. Round of 16 Rome, where he lost to Djokovic. Semifinals Lyon, again, it's a 250, whatever. Straight set loss to Massetti, third round Roland Garros. That's not a bad loss, but uninspiring results. Quarterfinals Queens Club, straight set loss to court. Again, not a bad result, but certainly not an inspiring one. I need some inspiration from Cam Nori, who should be a top 25 club guy, right? He's good at a little bit of everything, and yet that hold percentage, it's never quite there. It's never quite cracking that top 25 number, which is always a little surprising for me because I think he hits his spots well. I think he's very efficient in where he picks his plus one targets, but not going to overwhelm you with pace. Again, he's a death by a thousand paper cuts guy as well. Versus Chris Eubanks tomorrow. Again, contrast the style. You know what you're getting with Eubanks. 6-7. He's going to bomb serves at you. He's going to go after the first forehand. Now, again, a lefty into his one-handed backhand. It's not Shelton versus Eubanks. And by the way, we saw Eubanks beat Shelton on this surface last week in Mallorca. I mean, the question on Chris Eubanks' side, much like with Hubie, but a totally different degree, but 
you know, 31-16 overall in 2023. Obviously wins his first ATP title. He's 43 in the freaking world. 27 years old. Stud. Ridiculous what Chris Eubanks has done this year. What's the signature win? That's what I would ask because beating Manorino on grass is a signature win. So, okay, that's probably the signature win. Beating Shelton on grass ain't too shabby either. You know, he beat Chorich on his way to that Miami quarterfinal, which is, of course, what got the ball rolling this year, really, for Eubanks. Actually, what got the ball rolling was the wave of challenger success he had in the second half of last season, but we don't have to nerd out too far right now. And yet, has he had a signature win, like beating Cam Norrie, a British guy, at Wimbledon? This would be the signature. Again, Chorich, given the uninspiring nature of his 2023 season, This would be the one for me, for Chris Eubanks, where you just start to say, this ain't no fluke. This guy ain't going anywhere. Tennis channel desk job, you're going to have to wait because Chris Eubanks isn't a tennis analyst right now. He's a top 50 tennis player. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm going to take Norian Ford just because lefty into the one-handed backhand. I need to see Chris prove it, even though he did against Manorino, but I want to see it again at a major. I'm picking Nori, but that's a fun one. And then just out of respect... Again, show respect. Bow that. My coach used to try to teach me. Shout out Joe Brennan. To, I almost gave his phone number. But I here's the thing. I know his phone number by heart because it was burned into me because he was my coach and I worked for him and that was just what he expected of you. And again, that's why I love him so. I can't believe I almost just gave out his phone number here on a podcast. Great save by you, Alex. But he was teaching me low volleys and trying to teach me to get low and bend my knees and get down to the net. And he used to say, Alex, do you want the ball to go over the net? And I'd say, yeah, of course I do, Joe. He says, all right, then show the net some freaking respect. And that's what he meant is bow down, get on your knee, show some respect to the net and get low as you're trying to execute that low volley. Well, we're also going to bend the knee here and show some respect to Djokovic-Wawrinka what that rivalry has meant to the last, not the last three years, but what it meant in the 2010s to professional tennis, what Stan was able to do in beating Djokovic the way he did in Australia at Roland Garros. And just, again, he's a Stanimal. He really is. And I'm looking forward to to watching Stan compete. I really am. And I mean, do I think he's going to beat Novak? Absolutely not. Do I think he's going to win a set? I do not. But you don't know how many times you're going to get to see this matchup. And maybe I finally am getting older. Because I'll tell you what, 22-year-old me would have never put this match on a list. 27-year-old me just trying to pay some bills. So, look, I think Djokovic wins. Stands just physically, he's not there. And I know it's grass courts, but it's still Novak. It's still a major. It's still three out of five sets. And at this point, I just don't see it for Stan. I got Novak in straights. I'm also keeping an eye on Rublev, Gofen, and then the the battle for the scoreboard. Shout out to whomever tweeted that out. Davidovich Fokina versus Vandesen Skulp. Yeah, it's a lot of characters. Uh, that, that's one that's going to be a tight squeeze on the graphic. I think those are both fun matches. Those are my six turn twos, the must-watches on the men's side. As for the aces of the day. I got two of them for you, and I believe we're 2-3-2 two, and two overall on the event thus far, down about half a unit, but let's go win it back here this week. And first and foremost, I'm taking Yannick Sinner, minus 5.5 games over Quinton Halise. He's looked healthy. 
uh, go listen to the cracked interview we did with Makun Sasakumar, who just makes the perfect case. And I think I tweeted out the clip of why Yannick Sinner will have so much success because of the weight of his shot, how low it stays on you, how overwhelmed you are by it on this surface. I couldn't agree more with his assessment. And look, Halise, the serve, the forehand, they're real weapons. He's going to pop up backhands. You can't pop up anything against Yannick Sinner. Sinner's just too complete, and I just, he's better than Quentin Halise. I think he wins. I think he wins in straights. I think he wins one lopsided set. So minus five and a half games, minus 125. I'd throw half a unit on that to win point four. That's ace of the day number one, ace of the day number two. What's the weapon that Madison Brangle has to disrupt at Katarina Alexandrova? I don't see it. Alexandrova might just stand on the service line, returning every serve. And, you know, again, if you give her a little bit of a window to inject that line drive pace, she's just going to crush you. So I think Alexandrova wins. I think she wins lopsidedly. Minus four and a half games tomorrow, which you can get her at at minus 195. Now, those aren't the best odds. And I'm already regretting saying this out loud, but if Denis Shapovalov cannot make the most of his draw, and I know I haven't, you know, again, to hear the full recap of how his section of the draw got to this point, go check out the cracked, uh, go check out the mini break podcast feed. But no more, you know, no more Casper Ruud in his section. The top two seeds uh, above him also eliminated. Here's his section. He gets through this. He ends up in the quarterfinals. He has to beat either. You know, he has to beat Liam Brody tomorrow, and then he has to beat the winner of Safilin and Paya. If he can't get through that draw, again, I said it was a make-or-break season for Denis Shapovalov. This is the make-or-break moment. Get to a freaking quarterfinal here, Dennis. And as magical as the Liam Brody run has been, Brody cannot hurt you, Dennis. If Shapovalov plays 85, 80% of his best tennis, he should win this one. I'm just, I'm not messing with a game spread. I'm just taking Shapa to win, to right the ship, to get back to a fourth round at a major. Give me Shapa, which is how he, despite all the hot and cold start, uh, the cold, uh, despite all the struggles, if that's the word you're looking for, Alex, still finds himself inside the top 30. So I'll take Shapa to get through. money line parlay, that with the Alexandrova game spread, that takes things down to plus 100. Let's throw another half unit on that to win 0.5 in return. Those are your day five aces of the day. That is your look at day five of the 2023 Wimbledon. Of course, if you're looking for a recap of day four, mini break podcast feed will be the place for you. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who makes it all happen. Not just these podcasts, but of course the interviews we've done at this Bloomfield Hills Challenger this week. They're all available on both the Cracked Interviews podcast feed and our YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out and shout out to Westhoff. With that said, though, that'll do it for today's show. Again, we will be back tomorrow to preview day six. But for now, for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.